Hello and welcome to the good old days of radio show. We are winding through the great Carlton E. Morse mystery series, I Love a Mystery. The particular serialized story this time is The Thing That Cried in the Night. You're hearing uh, Mercedes McCambridge as Cherry Martin, and you're hearing uh, Tony Randall from The Odd Couple, etc., as Reggie York, and other great radio actors' voices in these shows. Extraordinarily well-written programming, designed to keep you on the edge of your seat and guessing who's the murderer and who's doing all this crazy stuff and why is there a baby crying, etc. We're going to go right into... November 14th and November 15th, 1949, chapters 11 and 12. Again, this first one has no opening. It just starts with a one chime of the clock, um, and then you go right into the story. So here it is. So at last you've seen one of them, these people you call they. Yes, but not his face. No, 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 don't try to sit up. Uh, I'm thirsty. Get her a glass of water, Doc. Water coming right up. Just lie still and keep covered up. Where am I? Don't you recognize your own bedroom? Oh, oh, yes. You're sure you do? Yes. It's my bedroom. I always hated it. Why? Because when I was little, Grandma punished me by locking me in here. I was afraid. Why? There were pictures on the wall. Pictures of Humpty Dumpty and Simple Simon and Peter Piper and a lot more. You mean the wall was papered with Mother Goose characters? Yes. And they wouldn't stop looking at me. Even when I shut my eyes, they were still there looking at me, laughing, laughing. That was when you were a very little girl? Yes. Here you are, Jack. Couldn't find a glass. All right. No, let me raise you up. There, go ahead. Thank you. Better? Yes. Now then, you say you didn't see him. That is, his face. No. They're very clever. Was his face covered? No. It just wasn't there. Wasn't there? He had a kind of hood over his head. It was all kind of blank and dark inside the hood. Doggone. Describe what you did see. Oh, do I have to? Please. Well, the hood, and then kind of a short smock, you know, big and full. I think it was made of satin. What color was it? Red. Red, like when you stick your finger and the blood comes out. Hey, Cherry, are you telling the truth? Yes, I am. I am. And what about his trousers? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember whether he had legs or not. You don't remember whether he had legs or not? No. And yet he picked you up and carried you down to the furnace room, so he must have had legs. Yeah, I guess he must. How did he get here in your bedroom in the first place? He... he, he just opened the door and walked in. Well, why didn't you scream? I was too scared. And then he put a gag in my mouth. Didn't you fight him? Oh, I couldn't move. You just laid there and let him... let him gag you and hogtie you? Yes, I couldn't move. And all the time, Reggie, Reggie was out there patrolling the hall. Well, how come he didn't see you when old No-Face picked you up and carried you out? I don't know. He kept my face pressed against his chest hard, so I couldn't see a thing. I thought I was going to smother. And then he carried you down to the furnace room. Yes. And then he turned on the furnace full blast. Yes. Why? What do you think you intended to do? 
I know what he was going to do. Well, then why didn't he do it? Because just then the baby began to cry. Yes, the baby. Yes, the baby cried, and, and that's the last I saw of him. You didn't see which way he went? No. He was there, and, and then he was gone. And the next you knew, we were beside you? Yes. Well, son, it looks like we got to set our traps for a feller in a red smock and no face. Yes. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Where, where's Grandma and the girls? Down the library. Reggie's staying with them. Why? Reasons of my own. You... You haven't done a very good job here, have you? Well, what do you mean? Since you came, the chauffeur was killed. And now Job is dead. That's right. And then this happened to me. You'd rather have someone else? No. You couldn't help it. Nobody could. You think this reign of terror is going to continue? It's got to. It can't stop now. It's got to go on and on and on until there isn't any of us left. Nobody but Grandma. You mean you think you and Hope and Faye's going to be killed? Yes, I know. You say you know. Do you actually, or is it just your belief? It's the same thing. I haven't been wrong about anything I said was going to happen. That's right, Jack. She kept saying over and over that Job was in a bad spot. And Hope, she's in the worst danger right now. Well, what about Faye? I don't care about Faye. She doesn't like me, and I don't like her. But she's going to die, too. Yes, but I don't care about that. Job was the one who bothered me most. And next to Job, you like Hope the most? Yes. Cherry, do you know a girl named Pauline West? Pauline West? Yes. Do you? Why do you ask that? Just answer. Do you or don't you? I guess I've heard the name somewhere. Sounds familiar. She's a radio actress. Now, do you recognize her? I... What the heck's a radio actress named Pauline West got to do with this, Jack? I don't know, but I found several casting sheets down in the furnace room made out in her name. You found what? Casting sheets. What's a casting sheet? It's a form sent out to actors and artists who've been cast on a show. It tells the time of rehearsal, the date and hour of the show, and the amount of money the performance pays. Okay, so you found a casting sheet for Pauline West, and I still want to know what that's got to do with all the rough stuff that's going on here. Probably nothing. Simply a new name in the picture. And if there's a Pauline West connected with this house, I want to know it. Well, wouldn't Cherry know it if there was? It seems likely. But I'd still like to know what that casting sheet was doing in the furnace room. It must not be a very good actress. I never heard of her before. Oh, you listen to radio shows? Of course I do. Well, anyway, all of them, it's got girls on them. What you think I just bought a battery set to carry around with me for? In love with all the women on the air. Huh? And boy, is there a couple of them that I'd like to write dialogue for. Would I? You're darn right. The words I'd put in those babies' mouths would make the radio sensors turn over in their graves. What do you know about radio sensors? Nothing. Then what are you talking about? Okay. Hey. Hey, Jack, look. Cherry. Cherry, you little fool, come back here. What's the matter with you? Where do you think you're going? No place. Well, come back here and get into bed. Pull the covers back, Doc. Yeah. There. Now, get into that bed. All right. I wasn't going anywhere. And what do you mean, trying to sneak out on us? No, I wasn't. I just don't like this room. Well, would you like us to move you downstairs? Jack! Jack, where are you? Hey, that's Reggie. Up in Cherry's room, Reggie. Something's happened. I knew it. Jack! 
Jack, Hope's got away. Hope's got away? Quiet. She snapped off the light in the library downstairs and was out the door and gone before I could get it back on. Probably on her way down to an employment agency to get herself a new chauffeur. Now, never mind that, Doc. Where are Faye and her grandmother? I locked them in the powder room just off the hall while I came up to tell you. Are they all right there? Well, they can't get out. Good. Doc. Yeah? You stay here with Cherry. I'm going with Reggie. Okay. Don't let her out of your sight for a minute. You hear that, Cherry, honey? Come on, Reggie. Do you think Hope left the house? No, I think she went towards the furnace. Furnace room? Did he say furnace room? That's what he said, that Hope was heading for the furnace room. But she mustn't, she mustn't. Why not? Because that's where things happen to people. Things happen to folks in the furnace yes, room? Yes, go tell them, go tell them quick. Hey, you mean that? Yes, don't you understand? Go tell them to keep Hope away from there. Well, I don't know. Jack said to stay here with you. Hurry, hurry. You promise to stay right there in bed? Yes, yes. Okay, I'll be right back. I'll leave the door open. No, no. Come on, get back into bed where you belong. But you didn't go. You didn't go. No, but just waited outside the door to see what was, uh, why you were so anxious for me to leave. But I was just going to help find Hope. Well, Jack and Reggie's pretty good at that sort of thing. Yes, but, but I know, I think I know where she is. Well, if she's in this house, they'll find her. But she's in such danger. They've got to hurry. Now, look at Cherry. How could you know that? But I do. I do. Hey, shut up. What's the matter? There's somebody out in the hall. Oh, no. Listen. I ain't never seen a fella with no face in a red smock. Could I get under the bed, please? You stay right where you are. Listen. They're right beside the door. I can feel them. Somebody out there, okay? Have you got a gun? No. Please, let me get under the bed. No. Where are you going? I'm going to sneak over the door. Maybe I can jump. Oh, no. That's what they're waiting for. Lay still and keep quiet. Not when I got there. I know what's the matter. You're giving me the jumps. You got me seeing things that ain't there, too. I tell you, there was Hello, something. Well, oh, Hope. That's right. Hello, Texas. Well, hey, Hope. Everybody in this house is looking for you. Now, that's silly. What'd you dodge out of the library for? I had to see Cherry. My little sister, Cherry. Oh, I'm so glad you came. I was so scared for you. Sisterly devotion, huh? Yes. I love you so. <laughs> She loves me so. Now, isn't that sweet? Oh, Hope, don't say that. You and Job, you two are all in the world I've got to love. And now you haven't got Job. But I've still got you. No, you haven't. Oh, Hope, please. No, you haven't got me, not any of me. Then, then why are you coming over here to the bed? Go away if you don't love me. I want to show you something. What, what do you mean? Look what I found. The gun, the gun. That's right, the gun that killed Joe. Hey, what'd you say? Give it to me, Jerry. Stop it. Let go of it. Hey, hey, don't give do it to that. Me. Give it to me. You give bet it. I won't give it to give you. It. You shot her. You shot Hope. Poor little sister Hope. My poor little sister. <laughs>
further transcribed adventures of Jack, Doc, and Reggie will come to you tomorrow at this same hour. I Love a Mystery, written and directed by Carlton E. Morse, comes to you Monday through Friday, featuring Russell Thorson as Jack, Jim Bowles as Doc Long, and Tony Randall as Reggie York. Frank McCarthy speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents I Love a Mystery, transcribed. Jack, not only is there a policeman outside Hope's door, but there's a doctor and a nurse inside with her. Well, what's the need of Reggie, a gardener, too? Right. Hope's got a fighting chance to stay alive. The doctor says with an even break, she'll pull through. I'm going to see if she gets that break. I don't get you, Mr. Packard. Yes, please explain yourself. Do you mean you're protecting her from something? You bet I'm protecting her from something, Mrs. Randolph Martin. But that's absurd. Hope was accidentally shot when she and Cherry were wrestling for the gun. Maybe. No, maybe about it. You have the word of your own companion, Mr. Long, here, who saw it. Yeah, there ain't no getting away from that, Jack. I saw it all right. I wish I'd seen it. Why? Look, Doc, I want you to tell your story again, in front of Grandma Martin and Faye here. Go over it again, every detail. Well, when Reggie come running upstairs and said Hope had escaped from the library and was loose in the house, you told me to stay right with Cherry, not leave her for a minute. Yes. Then you and Reggie run downstairs. Well, the minute you was out of sight, Cherry started in saying... Don't let Hope go to the furnace room. Don't let Hope go to the furnace room. Kept saying it over and over. And then she says, hurry, hurry, go tell him. You must warn him. What did you do? Well, she sounded so scared. I thought maybe that I ought to tell you. And I started out the door. And just as I got out in the hall, I remembered you saying, don't leave Cherry under any circumstances. So I whirled around and tiptoed back to the door. And there was Cherry out of bed and putting on some slippers in her bathrobe. Well, I grabbed her and stuck her back in bed. Where was the terrified mouse going? Well, she said she was going to find Hope, that she thought that she knew where she was. Then what happened? Well, then the bedroom door was, uh, was open, and I thought I heard somebody out in the hall. Cherry said it was them, that they had come back. Well, I sneaked over to the door and looked out, and nobody was there. Hmm. Some more of Cherry's romantic nonsense. Yeah, well, I hardly got back in the room when Hope comes now, in. Now, this is the part I'm especially interested in. Be very sure about every detail. Where were you standing? At the foot of Cherry's bed. What was Cherry doing? Well, the minute she saw Hope come in the door, she sat up in bed. And Hope, where was she? Well, she come in the door and walked about halfway between the door and the bed at first. All right, now go on. Well, yeah, well, Hope just walked in and said, Hello, Cherry. Well, I was looking at Hope, but Cherry made kind of a funny little gurgling noise in her throat, and I looked at her, and she was kind of green around the gills and trembling. Cherry, afraid of Hope? What are you talking about? Well, that's the way it was, Faye. I'm just telling you what I saw. Horse feathers. Well, I'm only telling you what I saw. Go on. What then? Well, I said, hey, Hope, everybody's looking for you. Why'd you dodge out of the library? She said, on account I got to see Cherry. 
My little sister, Cherry. Just how did she say it? I can tell you how she said it. She was making fun of Cherry. Was that it, Doc? Well, yeah, kind of all right. Cherry was a-shivering all the time. But she said, oh, I'm so glad you came. I was so scared for you. Then she said, I love you so, Job and you. <laughs> the mouse always was sloppy with her emotions. Yeah, it kind of made the hair stand up on my neck. Her saying sweet things in a kind of pleading voice and all the time trembling so she could hardly talk. What was Hope's reaction? Well, she said, and and now you ain't got Job. And Cherry said, but I still got you. And Hope said, no, you haven't. Not any of me. And then she started toward the bed. Well, uh, Cherry kind of cringed down and said, said, go away if you don't love me. But Hope kept it coming until she got right up to the bed. What were you doing all this time? Well, just standing there at the foot of the bed. That's great. But Jack... Forget it. Gone. Well, when she got right up to the bed, she pulled out Job's gun with a silencer on it. And the next thing I knew that they, they was fighting, fighting over like a couple of cats. And before I could get around the bed, it went off. And Hope sort of stood up, stood up on her tiptoes and, and then just crumbled up all in a heap. You said before that Hope said it was the gun that killed Job? Yeah, that's right. She did. You're sure she didn't say where she got the gun? No, just that she found it. Mr. Long. Yeah, Grandma? Was it your impression that Hope Intended to shoot Cherry with that gun? Well, she was sure enough going to do something with it. But she didn't say anything about shooting Cherry. Well, no, not exactly. Just just look what I've got. Then maybe she actually just intended to show the gun to Cherry. Cherry got excited and thought she was going to shoot and made a grab for the gun. Well, maybe. Doc, you believe Hope came up here with the planned purpose of killing Cherry? Well, doggone it, Jack. She was all steamed up for something. You could see hate all over her face. You'd have thought Cherry was a worm the way she stepped on her. And, 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 and when that gun come out of her dress, there was no fooling about it. I don't believe it. Well, let's see now. If Hope did intend to kill Cherry, could she also be responsible for the other deaths? Well, she was the last one to see the chauffeur alive. That we know about. And she was sitting in the library right next to Job when he was shot. Nonsense. Not such nonsense as you might think, Grandma. I say nonsense. Well, if that's the way you feel. It's exactly the way I feel. None of my granddaughters is a murderer. Nor are they connected with murderers. The chauffeur and Job were killed by men outside this house. Hope was accidentally shot. That's all there is to it. Try to read anything more into it is unjust and unfair to the name of Martin. Grandmother Martin, you know better than that. I know nothing of the kind. The police will eventually find the killers of Job and the chauffeur. The doctor gives Hope a good chance for recovery. That's the end of it. You believe that, Faye? Why not? What Grandma says goes. You're not interested in where Hope found the gun with the silencer? You're not interested in who bound and gagged Cherry and carried it out to the furnace room? You don't want to know what makes the baby cry when it's... Here. Huh? What's the matter, Jack? Doc, did the baby cry before Hope was shot? Hey. It didn't? No, not a peep out of him. Y you don't suppose he's losing his grip, do you? Well, there you are. That proves the shooting of Hope was an accident. It does? Certainly. You said yourself the baby always cried as a warning when one of the family was in danger. Yes, and certainly Hope was in danger, whether accidentally or by plan. Why didn't the baby cry? Because it happened too fast. But if our psychic baby can anticipate a planned attack, why couldn't it anticipate an accident just as easily? Well, I guess I don't know. I'll tell you why. It didn't dare cry. But why not? Never mind why not. But that's the answer. It didn't dare cry. Well, ain't you going to say any more than that? No, if you don't get the answer from that, I'm not going to tell you. Mr. Packard, you mean you know more than you're telling us? I know a great deal more. I know who the murderer is. I know where I can put my finger on the baby when I want it. I know who killed Job and how it was done. I know who they are. Those they people Cherry's so frightened of. And she has a right to be frightened. 
I'd rather be where Job and the chauffeur are right now than to have them after me. Mr. Packard, you're talking like a madman. I'm sorry. Yeah, fella, what's eating on you? So you know who the murderer is. That's right, Faye. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Very interesting. Faye, I asked Cherry this question, and I'm asking you. Do you know a radio actress by the name of Pauline West? What's that? Oh, you do. Pauline West? What has she got to do with this? If you know Pauline West, then you certainly know Yes, that. yes, of course. Why didn't I think of it before? What's this nonsense about Pauline West? You never heard of her? An actress on the radio? What would I know about a radio actress? Well, Faye, apparently you're the one person in the house who knows her. Well, what of it? I called the broadcasting company where she had done most of her work and asked them where she lived. They gave me this address. That's preposterous. I don't think so. Down in the furnace room earlier tonight, I found casting sheets. You found what? A printed form from the broadcasting studio giving the day and hour of her broadcast and how much money she was to get. How much? Well, it wouldn't buy any fur coats. Then we may assume she's not a star. No, run-of-the-mill actress. Well, young man, there's no actress in this house, run-of-the-mill or any other kind. Faye. Yes? Remember the night the chauffeur was killed? You told me you'd been down in the furnace room burning some letters. Yes. It wasn't casting sheets you were burning, was it? Oh, really? <laughs> Are you asking me to break right down here and confess all my sins? <laughs> I'm just asking you if you were down there burning casting sheets and that some of them were dropped unnoticed by you. No, I wasn't burning Pauline West's casting sheets. But looky, Jack, this don't make sense. If there's a girl named Pauline West in this house, why ain't we seen her? You want to answer that, Faye? No. Do you? Not just yet. I didn't think so. But I will tell you one thing. You're one person who isn't going to get out of our sight for one second from now until this case is cleaned up. Dangerous. Very dangerous. Are you saying my granddaughter, Faye, is dangerous? Faye understands what I mean. Sure. Doc. Yeah? Faye's your one and only responsibility from now on. I don't care where she goes, what she does, or what happens. You don't leave her. Not under any circumstances, get it? Got it. <laughs> Hello, Shadow. Lady, me and you <laughs> is the same as handcuffed together. Beginning now. Well, so you don't forget it. Mr. Packard... I've changed my mind. You've changed your mind about what? I've decided that your services in this house are no longer needed. You what? I say I don't want you here any longer. Well, that's too bad. It's not too bad. It's the end. Get your things and get out. Hey, looky, Grandma. You heard me. Get out at once. You mean now, just as the case is on the point of being solved, you want us to leave? Yes. You want this murderer free to roam this house? You want your granddaughters left unprotected to face sure death? Is that what you want? I want you to get out. Very well. Hey, Jack. Shut up, Doc. Very well, I'll turn over my information to the police and we'll get our things. Wait. Well? There's a check for $10,000 waiting for you at my attorney's office. Hot dog. On the understanding that the moment you pick it up, all three of you leave Hollywood and disappear for a year. After I've turned my information over to the police. No. You talk to no one. That's out. For $10,000? Absolutely out. You know as well as I do that I have information in this house that the police would never find out. You know that every granddaughter in your house could be killed, and except for what I know, it would remain a baffling mystery to the end of time. Yes, I know that. Well, that information is not to be bought. Not at any price. Then if I was the murderer, do you know what I would do? It might be interesting to know. If I was the murderer, Mr. Packard, I would see that you, of all people, never left this house alive. Hey, Grandma. Yes, I'm quite certain. That is exactly what I would do.
Okay, Jack Packard says he's got it all figured out. Some major clues were dropped. If you're paying careful attention to this and you listen to those clues, you can probably figure it out too. But if you are not paying close attention, then you have to wait till next week because next Thursday we will have the last three chapters and all will be revealed. So join us again next week on the Good Old Days of Radio Show and we will hear the final three chapters of Carlton E. Morris's uh, I Love a Mystery, The Thing That Cried in the Night. See you then. (laughs) 